Today on the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, we're talking with Brian Kramer, author of Human to Human and Shareology, about what human to human connections really mean in today's marketing and sales environment. to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're going to be talking about human-to-human connections and the way that they're impacting the sales and marketing profession. To do that, we're lucky enough to have Brian Kramer with us. He's the author of Human-to-Human. He was also the author of a book called Shareology. And, and for all of those people that saw the, the image that went viral uh, on Twitter and all of the other social media out there, uh, was the one giving the keynote speech at Bloomberg when the, the slide came up that said three years ago, there is no such thing as B2C or B2B. It is only H to H. And today with the rise of AI, automation, machine learning, uh, sales and marketing are being drastically impacted. And we've spent some time talking to other people in the field of artificial intelligence. And today we wanted to take it back to the other side of the coin, really the human to human interactions and and what what those mean, how to do them effectively and, and how they're impacting these professions. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Brian. Welcome to the show, Brian. I want to say thank you very much for taking the time and, and welcome you today. Uh, thank you so much. So before we jump in, uh, we kind of have this standard thing where we ask kind of an off the, <laughs> off the wall question at the beginning, give our audience a little bit more insight into you as a person. We like to look back at your entire career, your life. Uh, we're looking for a defining moment, something that happened in your life that taught you a lesson that you go back to, maybe change the trajectory of your career, your life. You know, what was that event and what was the lesson you took away from it? Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, I addressed this exact same question on a on my TED talk. Um, was 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 around the the one moment I will never forget. Uh, actually, it was about four and a half years ago when I I owned a um, and still own a a, um, a company called Pure Matter uh, with my my partner and wife. And I went to her and said, you know, I've delegated everything out. We have an awesome team. Everyone's doing great work. We're making great money and I don't like it. Um, uh, I'm not having fun and I don't feel like I'm contributing and I feel like maybe I need to do something else. And that was not a pleasant conversation, but it was one that I, that I needed to have. And we figured out that, um, you know, that even, even though you're, you may be doing well or in, in the eyes of others, at least doing well, um, and doing well also inside of your own company, or maybe you're not doing well, it applies to both. And that's that you have to love what you do. And, um, and from that point forward, I set out to figure out what I really wanted to do when I, when I grew up again. (laughs) And, um, and I did, I, I found out that I really, really enjoyed, um, uh, creating content and speaking and getting out and meeting people and teaching and educating. And I, and I got away from all that. And so, um, I had all this great knowledge from the 17 years of owning a great agency, but I wasn't really, um, helping anyone with it. And so I started to interview executives at, at huge companies like Cisco and Salesforce and, um, 
IBM and uh, I mean, the CMOs and CEOs of all these wonderful companies. And they weren't saying no to the interviews, which was awesome. But we were <laughs> even better was that I was learning from them while I was sitting there and interviewing them on video. And um, we we I was getting to meet them. I was getting to learn from them. And then even better, it was being videoed. So then I got to put it out and help other people learn. And so I felt like this was where I belonged. And now I felt like I was contributing back to our agency in a great way. And I was fulfilled in my own career. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, you do definitely have to love what you do. And I saw that TED talk. Um, it was a great talk, by the way. Um, but I'm curious, you know, I think probably if we go back, I mean, H to H, you, you hear a lot of that today. But when I look back, the first one of the first times I think I heard it might have actually been in your TED talk. Uh, and I'm kind of curious if you could just give the audience kind of a, a better understanding of your background and, and how that H to H concept kind of formulated and, and became a passion for you. Yeah, um, it was it was something that I'd been talking about for years. We uh, we were talking about how um, how 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 every business needs to be as human as possible, and how we try to automate so much. And it, this definition has changed over the years. You know, based upon where we're at right now, it's artificial intelligence and machine learning, and 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 and, and virtual reality and augmented reality, and all of these things are pulling us away from those human moments. And so I really am a, a huge cheerleader for the humans and I believe the humans will will win um, and and I, I I believe that you know it's how we build connections and how we how we actually trust companies more and how we why we want to buy from their services is because of a connection with a human on the other end and what what that's what sustain us sustains a customer for life and so um, so so I was I've been I've been t talking about that for years I was started building my brand as I just mentioned in terms of interviewing lots of people. And then one day I gave a keynote at Bloomberg and on the screen was there's no B2B or B2C. It's human to human, H to H. And, um, and everyone kind of lifted their cameras or their phones. I mean, and they started tweeting a picture of that out yep, I saw and, that. It, and it went viral. It, it got over 80 million impressions in 48 hours. It had over 15 languages, uh, that we could count translated and well over 2000 bloggers blogging about it somewhere on the internet. And, um, and so we quickly pulled a book together of all the things that I'd written in blogs from the previous two years and self-published it in four days to get a response out to everybody that was saying, what is this? What does this mean for where we're at today? And how do I humanize my company? And so we did that. That became a bestseller. And it really just kind of like went from there. I mean, it just grew to the point where, again, I you know got to do a TED talk and speak all over the world. And it was just it was just a really awesome thing that kind of happened to me. But, um, at the same time I helped to create this thing that I didn't even know was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's a, that's a great story. I, I, I've seen that picture. Um, and, and it's amazing, you know, four days to pull all that content together to put a book out. That's, that's a pretty impressive feat. I mean, that could well, have been I, easy. I never, ever, ever would have been able to do that if I hadn't been writing about it for two, two years. So, I mean, the, the point, Point being is, if you blog, I'll, uh, I blogged once a week, never, never stopped, and really enjoyed it, and found, you know, found a, a lot of good reasons to do it. But I never realized that it was going to be actually end up in a book. So, um, so it was kind of, a, kind of, kind of a cool lesson that you can just take everything that you've written and and build a self-publish a book. That's what I did. I, I self-published a book and put it out there. I obviously, um, you know, edited the content so that it made more sense in. Um, in its totality, but but I 
had something to work with. I, there's no way I could have done that in that amount of time if I didn't write before. Excellent. So when you have a concept like human to human, it's a big one. Obviously, the response that you got when that started to go viral, people wanted to know more about it, right? It, it is a. It, it seems to me to be a lens, right? It's a almost. A, it's almost like a basic change of the way you you look at the world. Now, for me, with a career in sales, that concept that people buy from people, right? That's something that we've, you know, we talk about a lot. But I'm curious when we look at, you know, if you take that as a lens and you look at marketing. Um, how do you apply it, right? If if that, if H to H is your perspective, your lens, how does that impact choosing the right marketing approach, the right content, the right messaging and distribution? What does that kind of help us look through that lens and understand that a little better? Yeah, it's it's kind of um, you know everyone's trying to automate so much, and um, and I, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think where people lose out is when they don't put the right human touch points in inside of their automation, um, and that's what H to H is all about. It's about about building a, a relationship between two or more people. And when you don't build that relationship, you distance yourself from the customer. So um, so there is some level of, and there's a lot of tools and a lot of ways you could do that. And I'm, I, I don't think we have enough time to go into like the technical details of how to do that <laughs> here, but there, but, but it is the, the overarching message there is that it does need to happen if you want to stand out because there's so much content out there and there's so many automation and there's so much like, uh, you know, the proverbial mail coming at us, but now it's email. And, and, and so, um, so all of that, um, all of that stuff is so important, but it's even more important that you stand out from every other email that's out there. And the only way to do that really is, uh, is two things. One, your, your message has to be, has to resonate with your audience. Uh, most, you know, a lot of times people don't do that or they don't humanize their content to really, uh, talk to their audience or talk with their audience. And two is just to build a relationship over time, whether it's through storytelling or even connecting as a human. And so and when we were prepping for the interview, you, you mentioned creating a, a funnel of human touch points. Can you just kind of give us maybe it's, maybe it's an abstract and, and you're right. I would love to, I would love to go into all the technical details of how that works. I'm not sure that we'd keep all the audience around all day. But, <laughs> but in terms of the funnel uh, with human touch points, can you help illustrate that a little better? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, like, let's, let's just take one example of a chatbot. Um, there's, there's, there's a whole, uh, lineup, probably, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 different ways, depending upon what kind of funnel you're building and what kind of company you are, which is why I gave such a big range. But, um, but the, the, uh, the, the idea is that you're you're giving away to um, there's no way that you can scale relationships. There's no way that you can if you're just one person or you're just 10 salespeople at a company, depending upon the size of your company, the scaling is really hard. Um, and if you put yourself out there and all these people are coming back and saying, how do I sell or how do I get in touch with someone? And you can't, you don't have literally the manpower or the women power to do that. Then it, then, um, then that has to be automated. But, but what, if you can start to learn exactly the touch points where, you know, maybe people drop off, maybe they, they aren't converting in a certain area or they're not, um, they're not opting in or, uh, or maybe they, 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 t uh, went to your shopping cart five times, but they didn't convert. Well, all these little things could be reasons to actually, 
then reach out and scale and and be able to actually scale a more of a human touch point. So again, going back to a chat bot, if you, um, I do, I do, um, wish that the name wasn't bot, um, <laughs> because it really screws up the, 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 what, what a chat bot can, could, could help you with. Um, most people are just automating the heck out of it. And I think that's wrong, but, um, but there is a certain level of automation where you can onboard people and let them know who you are. And then like for my chat bot, if you go to my Facebook page at Brian Kramer and you just message me, you'll, you'll, you'll get, um, you know, a, a sequence of, of, um, of messages, uh, over the course of seven days that will give you an idea as to who I am. And at any point you can say, talk to human and it will immediately put you in touch with me. And so that allows me to actually talk to people about some serious questions or even one of the points of one of those sequences. And then at that point, I can start to even message out to everybody at once and answer questions from people or get to know them. And at that point, you can then even move them from there to email where, again, a whole nother sequence of human touch points could begin. So this is pretty endless in terms of what you can do and the types of tools you can use. Um, you know, there's video, there's, um, there's there's ways of actually connecting through messenger in ads there's all kinds of things that you can do to humanize almost everything that you do you just have to be we have to be able to plan right for that and actually um, I'm building a course right now called the human sales funnel that out, help, outlines and helps to do that but um, uh, I know that doesn't help your audience but it's 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 certainly um, it's certainly something that that if you take anything away from anything that I just said it's you have to map it out ahead of time you have to you have to say okay here are the five ways, five things that you can do to do that. Sorry, I'm having a human moment right now with my, my dog. <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. So you mentioned sales, right? So we, we hear a lot, especially as, you know, AI, machine learning, all the automation stuff that you mentioned on the marketing side is, is impacting sales. And from the marketing side, it always seemed to me that the data is there. It's, it's much more of a data-driven type of interaction. Uh, so it kind of lends itself for, for AI and that type of stuff to show up there. But in a B2B complex sales environment, uh, the buyers are getting much more complex, right? And they're bringing with them into these interactions, their expectations that the experience they have with the salespeople is frictionless because that's what they're experiencing on the B2C side, right? So when, when you look at the sales organizations from your experience that you've worked with or talked to, how does that show up? How do you help the salespeople understand that critical factor that it, people are buying from people and you have to have that human to human connection? Yeah, how do you how do you understand that? I think um, you know one one of the simple ways the the most simple way is to reach out and ask people uh, what they think um, and and actually have a conversation. So uh, you know I literally like to pick up the phone and actually um, I know this is a new um, new concept to pick up a phone and actually call somebody, but <laughs> but um, but to actually like pick up the phone and actually maybe call five of your customers and say why are you why are my customer um, what what, what what made you what endeared you to um, my message or my product or my service and um, and and share that with me and now all of a sudden your messaging can become a little bit more clear so that you're you're um, you're you're building in the right um, things that are going to help address questions during that um, very sophisticated sales process which um, which a b2b process is or as again I call it an h2h process even more so because um, because everyone has access to the customer 
are now. Um, anybody can pick up the phone. Anyone can get on Twitter. Anyone can go on to Facebook. Anyone can go on social media, on LinkedIn, on anywhere, and actually see what people are talking about, about your product, service, or um, or in your, the niche that you're in. And that wasn't the case over 10 years ago. You weren't able to actually get onto social media to see what people were saying, which is why it made the, the process even more sophisticated. Um, because now then you were guessing uh, even more so, and or you were going to do focus groups behind one-way mirrors with M&Ms and great food behind the, the, the mirrors. And and so um, so now, you know, the, the focus group is the world and you can go, go out there and start to create H2H experiences that will help your sales, your, your human sales funnel close that much better. And, and so when you've talked to companies, I mean, it's a, it's a shift, right? It is, I've, I've seen it. A lot of the clients that we work with, I see it. I see them struggle with that concept of, you know, trying to understand an interaction from their customer or their buyer's perspective, right? I'm kind of curious just in your interactions with other companies, what's been the largest challenge to get the, you know, the light bulb to come on and then more importantly, stay on, right? Cause you, you can get, you can see it in their eyes when it, Oh yeah, I understand that. But then the implementation of that, uh, is often a challenge. I'm just kind of curious what you've seen out there as you've, as you've worked with and talked to these other companies. I think, I think it's, um, I think it's just a, a matter of most people are not, maybe not clinically, um, um, <laughs> clinically, uh, diagnosed as ADD, but I, but I do think most, most people or marketers or business owners, uh, operate under the, let's just do it and see how it goes. Um, which is a great way to be, but then, um, you know, learn from that and plan it out. Um, I think, uh, you know, again, putting the right plan in place and having the right messaging. If you just do those two things, you're going to, you're going to probably shoot past your competitor because most people don't take time to message themselves uh, correctly and build a messaging ladder or a tree uh, so that maybe everyone else within your company or everyone else that's going to sell your services around you or help you sell maybe your partners or whoever it is, you know, they know and have those, that information to be able to, to speak um, as though they were you and they're in your head um, and, and be able to carry that message through all of your marketing touch points. And then, you know, the, the second thing is, is um, as, as I said, is just really building, um, building out um, uh, the plan for where those human touch points are going to be. Um, you know, well, the plan, the plan overall in terms of everything that's going to be included in how your sales process, uh, you know, goes through, whether it's a funnel or an in-person process or both. Um, but, but at what points are you going to in, inject yourself into that so that you're uh, giving them a way to connect with you? Let's talk about your books. I mean, they're, they're, we talked about the one in the beginning that you know went out in four days. I think I understand this, but I'd love for, for you to explain to Aaron, how do you get the creative spark? Where does it come from to continually keep evolving that H2H perspective and put the books out? Where, where, did, where did that creativity and that spark come from for these books? H2H came out three years ago, um, and then Shareology followed. Shareology was supposed to be my first book. It's the book I was working on, and then um, it took a back seat and I because uh, HH was a surprise baby. Um, so I uh, I worked on that, and then and then I went back and wrote Shareology, uh, which made even better sense because it's how sharing powers the human economy, um, and it actually felt way it felt way better and in, in line with that. Um, and and so the 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 spark really became. 
the the H to H um, that one time on stage when I was standing there and 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 said what I said and having it go viral made it 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 made everything else move forward. That was the that was a spark. And then um, H to H went on to sell I think. Um, somewhere around 15,000 books. And then uh, from that, I launched Shareology a year later. And um, and that ended up uh, selling, I think, somewhere around 29,000 books with um, with now two languages in Russian and Chinese. Wow. So H to H was the one that came out as a result of of the, the Bloomberg talk? Yes. HH came out as a result of that talk. It was, it was actually, uh, we actually wrote it one week after that talk. And so has it been updated recently? The reason I ask is I had boarded them both off of Amazon and, and it, I swear, oh. I swear it told me that H to H was just came out this February. And I'm curious, was there an update? Maybe we needed, maybe I need another copy. <laughs> no, no, but it was, um, we did have an issue on Amazon. It sold out. And so we had to go back and, and, um, and re update, uh, uh-huh. Amazon so that you could be looking, you could have been looking at Amazon when it, when it, um, it was, it was out actually, I think for a month and I, I was uh, trying to field everybody's, um, it was a good problem to have, right. <laughs> um, but, but we're trying to, we're trying to field everybody's, um, challenge. And so we had to go back in and we had some, some technical issues. We had to reset everything up and get it all situated on Amazon. So that, that could be the reason that you're, um, you were seeing it as, as a, as a new book. Okay. Gotcha. And so with those books, what, what are you most proud of in terms of the impact of those books? Oh my God. Um, that's like, that's like saying, how, how are you most proud of your, 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 your son or your daughter? Um, <laughs> In every way. Uh, okay, so I, I think uh, you know. Well, both books different are different for me. Um, I spent you know way more time. I spent a whole year doing research for Shareology, um, and so the the research of and and the interviews I did with over two hundred fifty people from all walks of life, answering the single question of why people share, um, and boiling it down to a very specific set of things that they could do to help things go, you know, do things like go viral or uh, share something that, that, um, that really, uh, you know, reaches the right audience. Um, so that was, that was really exciting for me. It was just the research that went in that book. Um, from an H to H perspective, I think I would say it just created, you know, the movement that it created was, was the biggest thing for me. It, it was, it was, uh, you know, I was able to really, um, and humbled to speak around the world. And, uh, and I have spoken well over 15 countries meeting all these great people and, and just like seeing them, you know, when they'd walk up and say, Oh, HH, where is it? I, I can't even believe this. It's, you know, um, it's exactly what we needed. And I'm like, it's always been that way. Uh, we, you know, we've always had, uh, people coming up and selling, uh, selling us. Think, think back to the door to door salesman who sold you a vacuum or delivered your milk back in the day. And, um, <laughs> it, that's true. H to H right. Right. And, and so, um, the reason I think it resonated more now than ever is because we're starting to depart from that level of H to H. And, and I think that that's, um, it's, it's becoming cyclical. It's, 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 uh, it's like bell bottoms are back. We, we really, <laughs> We really want to connect with other people, and um, and that is the biggest driver for why we share. So, uh, with that, knowing that, then I think makes it even more um, more needed now more than ever. It's kind of like looking at your direct mail, um, you know, 
back when we used to get actual mail in the mailbox and you'd be like so overwhelmed with the amount of mail that was coming in. And now if you get a thank you letter written out, you're it's like it's like a gold like, oh, my God, somebody wrote me a letter, you know, and, and the same thing happens now with with digital. Like, oh, my God, someone actually wrote me an email. It wasn't automated. It wasn't, you know, or they did a video just to me. Like these little things are things that make you stand out. And that's why I think HH is so important. Even if you've been in sales for decades, new technology, new buyers, and new dynamics create challenges your team may not be ready for. Value Prime Solutions enables you to focus on sales, on the prospects and customers, not the noise. And the sales framework you implement with them is simple, scalable, and proven. Check out valueprimesolutions.com and ask how they can help you beat your target. So we mentioned the TED talk earlier where you, you know, you came to that realization, you had to have that painful conversation with your wife. It sounds like that was while a painful conversation, it sounds like you're definitely where you want to be and things are going great. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, absolutely. I, I still a lot, a lot more I want to accomplish, but I'm, I'm really excited about where I'm at. And, and so I have to ask when I was doing my research before, before the interview, I noticed you interviewed Ted Turner. What, what was, what was that like? Oh man, it was the most excruciating experience of my life. Um, <laughs> he did. In, he looked pretty grumpy in the video. I got. Yeah, say. you watched it. Okay, so um, well, so first and foremost, he is. He really was actually as pleasant as more pleasant than I thought he would be, um, because he really is kind of known for um, being a little more grumpy, uh, like you saw, and he's also known for walking off set. Uh, he won't stay on camera for longer than about three to five minutes. Um, and I knew both those things going into it. I was there to interview him for a humanitarian award that he received. And, um, and when I told him that I was a Rotarian, which you'll, which if you watched it, then you'll, 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 uh, remember that it, there, it was right in the middle. So once I told him I was a Rotarian, it was like, we were best friends. Um, <laughs> and, and he was just totally into everything that we were talking about. We ended up going for seven, 17 minutes or 19 minutes. I can't remember. And, um, and afterwards his son was actually one of the video videographers. And afterwards when he left, um, and he did walk off by the way. So he eventually did just stand up and walk away. So I was like, Oh, okay, there it is. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but he, he, he really, uh, he really, he, if, if I realized that if I, if, if I got him to talk about, or if we were able to talk about anything on the humanitarian side, then he was very comfortable talking about that. And I was going to have a much more successful interview. If we talked about anything around CNN, um, that was not a passion point of his because of how things ended for him. So I stayed far away from CNN and, and it turned out to be a good good, um, good thing because most everybody asks him about CNN cause they want to know about it. And I think there's so much more to him and what he's done in the world that, um, that it, it wasn't needed. Excellent. All right. So you mentioned, you mentioned the agency pure matter a little bit ago. Let's pivot a little bit here. Um, can you give our audience just an overview of what pure matter does and, and how you guys work with clients? Yeah. So, well, we have three different companies. We have Pure Matter, which is a consultancy. It's a marketing consultancy. And, um, and that we work with clients. We're kind of like their virtual outsourced CMO. And we work with both clients and individuals. Um, and we uh, all coach individuals and help them with their personal brand or their um, becoming an influencer on some, some perspective. I have CMOs and, and uh, VPs of marketing and, 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 um, and entrepreneur uh, CEOs. 
smaller business CEOs, and they each want to build their their personal brand on um, you know all different levels, whether it's getting out and speaking or it's um, you know uh, building towards a potential TEDx talk or a TED talk, or um, or they want to write a book or they want to get out there and do those kinds of things. Then we do that. Um, or Pure Matter also provides. Uh, we also are outsourced like as a CMO, so we'll go in and actually do the planning for that whole uh, roadmap that I was talking about. How do you build your entire marketing roadmap, and then what's the um, we'll build in all those little H you know HH touch points, and um, and figure the whole thing out for a company. It's kind of like a done for you um, you know roadmap, and so um, there's that. And then we have HH companies, which um, which has HH University. We offer courses, and we have uh, courses on what's coming out in five weeks. I mentioned the human sales funnel, uh, where we'll teach people to actually build those uh, roadmaps and actually walk them through the technology and how to set up the, 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 you know, even a bot and, and do all these different things. Um, and then we have HDH club, which is where uh, it's a membership site and people can join and, and, and learn all these things, um, it, as a, um, as kind of like your outsourced CMO on demand. So you can just go into the club and ask any questions you want. And then we have master classes every month from awesome people who are teaching how, how to do Facebook ads and how to do all kinds of really cool things. Um, and then the last thing I do is I just, I, I, I have uh, my own business, which is called, it's very creative, right? It's called Brian Kramer. And, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's, um, that's really focused on, um, my speaking and writing career. So, um, everything that I do in anytime I get on a stage, it's, it's, um, put into that category. So, so no, uh, you know, no lack of things to do. It sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I have two kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, it's all, it, my time's divided into thirds that way. Excellent. And so when you think about all those businesses and, and, and you have to, as a business owner, you've got to think, you know, strategically, I mean, it sounds like, uh, the diversification of the companies has kind of happened organically almost, but when you look at, you know, your businesses right now, what would you say your top strategic business objective is? What is my top strategic business objective? Um, yeah. mm -hmm. It is to uh, it is to teach people that while the robots are coming, that the humans have a place, <laughs> and we can we can we can coexist. Um, and I'm 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 it, I know it sounds funny, but I'm actually not not totally kidding because I do believe that um, as people automate more and more all these different things, uh, the more we're going to have to learn new skill sets and. And if you're not out there learning new skill sets, then you probably are going to have your job be in jeopardy, not to be like the total downer on this whole thing. But, uh, you know, there is a lot that can be automated and will be continuing to be automated. And the more that we can learn skill sets that allow us to stay relevant, the better that um, that the, the more solid your career is going to be. And so I feel like my job is to help teach people how to stay relevant. Yeah, I interviewed um, Justin Williams. He's a CEO of one of the companies going after the IBM Watson uh, AI X Prize. I we talked to him last week. I think that for people that are listening, I think that episode comes out next week. But we were talking about the progression of AI and the augmentation. Like, like I said earlier, I think it's, it shows up more effectively in marketing because there's so much data. But on the sales side, um, it, it, we were t talking about, is, is Elon right? <laughs> are we all headed for you know, doom? Or what are the salespeople you know, that adopt the technology, that learn those new skills like you 
talked about, you know, what does that look like in the future? It was a f- fabulous conversation. Really enjoyed uh, talking to him about it. And I, and I think you're right. I think, you know, if you stay on top of it, you continue to learn the skills and never lose sight of that H to H. I think those are going to be the people that are going to be in the best place for success in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we, um, IBM was our, is our client and we did all the, uh, the, we, we did the first global influencer program for, uh, for Watson, um, for, for several years. And then, um, and, and it was very powerful and it really got everyone to experience what Watson was like. We had 30 influencers inside of Watson using it and then, uh, creating content out of that to, to help show exactly what it was that you're talking about in terms of how you can use this data to make decisions. But the decisions that need to be made, those are the the human that's the that that's where humans come in and and so um so the, so really it is humans and and machines working together uh to do this stuff and i don't think that that's ever going i don't think it's going to change i don't think the robots are kind of going to take over um, i don't think that we're going we're in jeopardy of that if anything i would just say the biggest question is are we going to be chipped or not as humans but that's a that's a that's a that's a whole different podcast um but i think i think that that's really um an important thing that you just brought up is how is data going to be used with AI and but who is making those decisions once we have uh, once we have the information and so there you know there's there's input and there's output you have to ask a, a, a machine a question in order for it to deliver a result the question always has to come from a human because if you don't know what question to ask it won't do anything you have to say I want you to go out and do this if you don't ask it that question there is no response so we, we as humans, we're building these questions and then we're interpreting the data on the other end. That's our role. That will be our role. So if you don't know how to ask the right question of it, you don't know how to interpret the data out of it. That's the skill sets that need to be learned. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think you hit on a really valid point there, the questioning aspect of it. We spend a lot of time with our clients, helping them understand how to ask better questions. And I think I've seen more now I was an English major as an undergrad, so I've spent a lot of time writing and reading questions, but I see it as more of a skill set that definitely needs to be developed. Are you asking the right types of questions? Well thought out, you know, kind of that forethought. You talk about having that plan. It's like it's easy when you're talking to a, a human being, you just kind of wing it like we're doing now. We're just kind of having a conversation. But when you're interfacing with something like AI, you really need to be careful of the questions you're asking so you get the right answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. That goes for everything in life, right? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've asked some extremely dumb questions in my <laughs> And we right. call those, those are human moments too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Painfully human. That's when it's painfully human. <laughs> I, I, I actually have a term for that. I, I have a whole keynote that I give on, on um, uh, it's called how to embrace your inner Fokker F O C K by the way, F O C K E R. <laughs> and, and it's, um, it's based on, um, Gaylord Fokker from meet the parents and how, how basic, basically dumb and the dumb things he does through those movies. But at the same time, we can't help but love him and embrace everything he does. And we side with him and just want the best for him. And, and, and I just think he's the ultimate human for, um, for what he does. And so I think, um, there, there's a lot to that actually, when you have like when my dog barks in the background, you're like, Oh crap. But 
No, really, it's a good thing because, you know, we're not perfect. This is not what humanity is about. Well, yeah, and that's one of the things I tell all our guests. Look, I'm not looking. There are some podcasts out there or big production companies getting into doing podcasts. And we look, we invest in, in the equipment for the sound quality and we want the experience for our guests to be good. But I, I specifically say in the email, there's no such thing as perfect. I've had, you know, the UPS guy inevitably is going to ring the doorbell, <laughs> right? You're in the middle of an interview with somebody and all of a sudden the doorbell goes off or truck. Right. Goes. I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is, right? You have to, totally you have to embrace is. that. Embrace that. All right. So um, getting towards the end here, we've got last question. We call it our acceleration insight. So if there was one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional services people, one piece of advice you could give them that will help them hit their targets, be more successful, what would it be and why? One piece of advice that I would give them that would help them hit their targets. Um, you know, I think... I, I would probably I would say um, I would say understanding your audience better. So let's just take um, let's take Facebook ads for example. There's um, uh, there's there's unlimited com combinations of people that of uh, ways that you can uh, dissect audiences on Facebook. Um, and if you're going to set audiences up and figure out um, figure out through A/B testing which audience works, that's one way to do it. But um, but the other way is to actually, like I said before, um, actually ask your existing audience, your existing customers, why did they buy from you, and start to break that down first, and then and then drill. And I, I would combine that with um, you know what you know. Kind of think of this as the Mastercard circles, right? There's one circle that's the what you know, and then there's the other circle of the of, of the research and data that's out there. And there's so much research and data that's out there that if you can combine the best of what's out there um, using tools like Watson, and there is a free version of Watson that you can go in and actually upload your data, and it will break it down for you. You could take your email list and upload it into Facebook, and it's going to break down all the uh, psychographic and demographic information about your email list in Facebook. And it's going to pull data from nine different sources and tell you exactly what their interests are and what their likes are and what they, um, where they shop and all this great stuff. Don't worry. It's not going to call you out by name. This is all, um, it, but, it, but it will give you the general idea behind your audience. Now, if you can match what your existing audience is doing combined with what you already know from, um, using data combined with what you already know from your existing customers. And then now you create your audience in a face, you know, in Facebook ads or in whatever it is that you're going to do, man, you're going to, you're going to save yourself so much time and money. Perfect. Perfect. Brian, if the listeners interested in talking more about the topics we touched on today, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Email me. And I will reply back and then you'll reply back and then I'll reply back again <laughs> and we will have a conversation from one human to another. That is the best way to do it. Brian, B-R-Y-A-N at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R dot com. So Brian at Brian Kramer dot com. There's a Y and a K in there. And um, and then we'll we'll email each other or you can if you just want to check me out, you don't want to have a conversation yet. I totally get it. Um, go to briankramer.com and that's that's another good way or at brian kramer on any social channel perfect perfect brian i can't thank you enough for taking the time today it's been absolutely great having you on the show 
Thank you so much. This has been great. I, I love your questions. <laughs> Thanks. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers, anybody that you think will get value from it. Uh, if you if you like what you hear, please drop us a review on iTunes. Uh, we use those that feedback to make sure we're bringing the right guests on for you guys so you can continue to keep coming back. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for being here. And until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.